Hello and welcome to Fibber McGee and Molly from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. <laughs> the Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Johnson's Wax for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. I'd like to tell you again tonight what I mean by wax housekeeping. It helps explain why, for over 50 years, Johnson's Wax has been increasingly helpful. When you think about it for a moment, you'll realize that that package of wax on your shelf is not just a product, it's a method of housekeeping, a means of protecting all kinds of surfaces throughout your home, a way to save you hours of work all through the year, and still have such beautiful floors, furniture, and woodwork that your friends envy you. When you apply Johnson's Wax to wood, leather, and metal surfaces, you are protecting them with an invisible but tough shield, a shield which guards them against wear and dirt. When you polish that wax shield, your floors and furniture glow with rich, mellow beauty, beauty that increases with each application of Johnson's Wax. When you consider the many extra uses for this wax throughout your home, you'll understand what I mean by wax housekeeping with genuine Johnson's Wax, either paste, liquid, or cream. Upon a time, there was a certain relative named Aunt Sarah. Aunt Sarah was in the chips. She was a tootsie with a roll. <laughs> she had bigger diamonds than Wrigley Field and the polo grounds, and a greenish complexion from peering into safe deposit boxes. <laughs> and like lots of people with all that moolah, she was tighter than a bullfighter's pants. <laughs> she... She spent her life visiting with relatives. And guess who she plans on staying with now? Right, Fibber McGee and Molly. Of all the dirty impositions, why does that skin-wadded old tight flint have to pick on us? Now, stop grousing, dearie. Heavenly days, I didn't moan and grumble when you wanted to stay in your cousin Roy's house in Oregon, did I? Well... I guess we can stand my Aunt Sarah for a few days. A few days, she says. <laughs> Mark my words, baby. You let that penny pincher get a toe in the door, and we got a house guest till the termites chew it down. <laughs> well, I'll admit she wouldn't be my choice for a permanent guest, but she's just a lonely old lady, and she's welcome to stay here a while. Lonely my clavicle. <laughs> if I had her folding money, I'd have more companions than the Curtis Publishing Company. <laughs> People who like you for your money aren't apt to be very good company. People who are on the make for your door are the best company in the world. They'll do anything to make you happy. <laughs> well, anyway, she's coming. We can't do a thing about it, except make her feel at home. Now be nice to her. Oh, I'll be nice. Little Lord Fauntleroy. <laughs> Pardon me, Mrs. Gotrocks, I'll say. <laughs> Pardon me, but your deposit slip shows. <laughs> McGee, that's enough. Huh? Look, she's my aunt. Yeah. She can't help it if her husband left her all that money. 
Forget she's got it and treat her like a human being. Well, I'll try. But when I think of the junk she sent us at different times, that abalone lamp from San Francisco... <laughs> she sent us that beautiful clock for a wedding present, remember? That marble Venus with the clock in her stomach? <laughs> Anybody that'd buy a thing like that has got less taste than a tea room cutlet. <laughs> All right, but we have to be nice to her. She's our closest relative, you know. You never spoke a truer word, baby. She's closer than scotch tape. Well, what'll we do now? I brought the hand-painted sofa cushions and that hunk of lava from Mount Vesuvius down from the attic. Well, put the lava on the mantelpiece. Okay. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. And the bottle of sand from the painted desert on the end table. Oak. Did you find the brown sweater she knitted for you? Mm. That mustard-colored horse blanket with the two-inch pearl buttons? <laughs> yeah, the one that came down to your knees with the elbow length sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't you let her see you wear it for just a little while? I wouldn't be seen in that Olsen and Johnson costume for all the tea. <laughs> oh, hello, Alice, dear. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, Mr. McGee. Creepers, what have you been doing to the living room? I never saw so much junk. Junk, my dear girl, is the kindest thing you could say for it. This is all the stuff Molly's Aunt Sarah has given us at different times from different places. Oh. <laughs> She's coming tomorrow to stay with us a while, and we want to make her feel at home, Alice. Dear. Yeah. Any of this uh, Rube Goldberg collection you want for your hopeless chess kid, just speak up. <laughs> Maybe Alice would like that little bottle of water Aunt Sarah sent us from Niagara Falls. Oh, is it hard water or soft water? What difference does that make? Well, none to me, but my cousin went over Niagara Falls in a barrel once, and I just wondered if it was bumpy. I think your cousin... I think your cousin must have been a little bumpy after McGee <laughs> Would you like to have this thing, Alice? Aunt Sarah sent us that from the Mammoth Cave What is it? It's a stalemate Stalagmite what, you... what do you mean, stalagmite? Stalagmite means like when water gets stale from not being rained into all summer No, Mr. McGee, that's stagnant Oh, yeah? Well, then what does stalemate mean? A stalemate is a husband who never takes you out to dance or anything I know exactly what you okay, mean Okay, okay, okay <laughs> Let it go, let it go I just hope Aunt Sarah won't get on your nerves too much, Alice Oh, we'll get along all right, Mr. McGee Isn't she the aunt with all the money? She's very well off, I guess, Alice I think that's why McGee dislikes her You know how it is the ain't gots always throw rocks at the gots. <laughs> that is not why I dislike Aunt Sarah. I dislike her because she talks so much you can't get a word in edgewise. She's a regular filibuster. Oh, what's a filibuster? Well, that's when you give somebody the floor and they hit you over the head with it. <laughs> that woman is so... What? Hey, well, what you looking for, Alice? Well, that picture. What, what picture, dear? Well, didn't she used to have an oil painting of Aunt Sarah hanging right over the piano? Oh, my God! The oil painting. Where is it? we got to find it. Run up to the attic, McGee. I looked up there. It isn't there. By the garage. It ain't in the garage. I cleaned that out last week. Oh, this is awful. we got to find that well, picture. I think I know where it is. Where? 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 Right in here in the hall closet. In the hall. Oh. and the orchestra play Anitra's Dance.
Gee, I wish I had time to get some artist to touch up this painting of Aunt Sarah before she gets here. Certainly looks battered. Mm. What are all those little holes in it? Well, we had it in the basement last winter, and Billy Mills and I didn't have any target for our dart game, so... What? <laughs> you threw darts at Aunt Sarah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see where I got her? Right here in the beezer? <laughs> I scored 75 with that. That's disgraceful. Sure it is. For a shot like that, a guy ought to get 95. <laughs> Poor Aunt Sarah, you might at least have respect for her age, McGee. The only thing I respect about that gabby old pickle puss is the way bank presidents run and open the door for her. <laughs> I never saw such a... Come in. Oh, hello, Mr. Wellington. Ah, good day, Mrs. McGee. What gives you that happy, youthful expression today? And McGee, what gives? <laughs> hello, Wellington. I'm not under oath, so I don't mind saying it's nice to see you. <laughs> Thank you. I see you were about to hang a picture, and what an interesting old painting it is, too. The, the Hesperus, isn't it? <laughs> it is not the Hesperus, Mr. Wellington. That is an oil painting of my Aunt Sarah. Natural mistake. <laughs> Quite a natural mistake. You can ring up no sale for either one of them. Was there something we could do for you, Siggy? On the contrary, old man. There is something I can do for you. <laughs> What's that? What's that, Mr. Wellington? You will perhaps recall that last Saturday evening, when you attended the Bijou Theater, seats 12 and 14, row G, left aisle, that you experienced some difficulty, some small difficulty, with the po popcorn machine in the lobby. If by some small difficulty, Wellington, you mean that pile of junk that grabs your dough and hasn't given up a grain of popcorn since Lloyd Hamilton threw his last pie, you're right. McGee put a nickel in the machine, held his hat under the spout, and nothing happened, Mr. Wellington. Yeah. So I swatted it with my hand. I kicked the bejunior out of it with my foot. And then I complained to the usher, and he insulted me. He says I probably put a phone slug into it. The nasty little quizzling. I know. It might please you to hear that we now have a new usher taking his place. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Wellington. I'm sure the boy meant well. And... Oh, he did. He did indeed. In fact, I have made him assistant manager. <laughs> for insulting a patron? No, for guarding the machine until we could get your phone slug out of it. Permit me to return it. Well, what do you know? <laughs> Just enough to keep an eye on you hereafter. Good afternoon, Mrs. McGee. And the balance of the day to you. Nightcrawler. <laughs> the time ever comes when I let that guy really irk me, I'll box his ears and won't mail him back to him for three weeks. But this is your phone slug. So what if it is my phone slug? It's just the same as a nickel. Gee whiz, if I... Hey, where'll I hang this picture? I think right where it used to be, over the piano. Oh, yeah. And Sarah's quite musical, you know. Yeah, I'm not surprised. She's so bow-legged, I'd have said she was studying the cello. <laughs> this about the right height? Yes, but uh, quite a bit more to the right, dearie. She's a Republican. <laughs> That's it. Okay. <clears throat> now, up you go, Aunt Sarah. And hanging is much too good for you. <laughs> How's that, Molly? Well, how can I tell you? Got her face to the wall. Well, that's just till she gets here. No use making it any tougher on ourselves than we have to. Well, that's pretty silly. Though I'll admit Aunt Sarah was never any Miss America. I'd go further than that and say that America would never miss Aunt Sarah. <laughs> She's positively... Hello, folks. How's every little... <clears throat> hey, where'd you get all the bric-a-brac? Some museum hold an auction? No, Mr. Wilcox. These are all things my Aunt Sarah has given us at different times. She's coming to visit us tomorrow. Well, this Aunt Sarah must be quite a character. Character in neon, brother. That's her picture of the piano, Mr. Wilcox. 
poor old soul. Smallpox? Dark game. Oh. <laughs> Say, uh, the frame looks sort of dull, don't you think? Come to think of it, it does, Mr. Wilcox. Uh, what would you suggest we do about it? Oh, my gosh, what a question. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my wife is a sweet girl, but very naive. <laughs> oh, well, go ahead, Waxy. Play us one of your unfinished symphonies for four-finger and cash register. <laughs> well, I don't know what you're talking about. Molly asked me what to do about that picture frame, and I was merely going to suggest some Johnson's wax. You know, Mr. Wilcox, I was wondering if Johnson's wax wouldn't do something for that frame. She was wondering. Nine years of this, and she still wonders. <laughs> Why, Molly, it would be just the thing. Johnson's wax is great for picture frames and windowsills, lampshades, and dozens of things besides floors and furniture and woodwork. I guess that picture frame just got out of condition from lying around in a closet all this time, huh? Here's where we get that seals the pores stuff. <laughs> That's probably it, Molly. But Johnson's wax seals the pores of wood surfaces. What'd I tell you? <laughs> and it protects it not only from drying out, but from dampness as well. You try a little Johnson's wax on that frame, Molly, and Aunt Sarah will be so pleased she'll leave you an extra million in her will. Oh, that never entered my mind, Mr. Wilcox. It entered mine, baby. <laughs> it entered, sat down, and smoked a four-bit cigar. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I take it Aunt Sarah is fairly solvent. Yes, she is, Mr. Wilcox, I think. Solvent? That old false face has got a nest egg you could use for a blimp. <laughs> the only trouble is she's so tight. Now, McGee, she isn't tight. She's just thrifty. Oh, yeah. Remember that last car she bought? The salesman said it would stop on a dime, and Aunt Sarah had the brakes wore out in two hours? <laughs> what are you so bitter about, pal? What did she ever do to you? She never did a thing to him, Mr. Wilcox. I just don't like stingy people, that's all, Junior. Oh, say, hmm? that reminds me. How about a little donation for Sam Moore? Hmm? He's in the hospital with a fractured hand. Fractured hand? Yeah, from squeezing the hose at a filling station. Hmm. <laughs> Why should I throw dough away on that guy? I hardly know him. Why didn't he have some insurance? Okay, okay, pal. I just wanted to suggest it. Well, so long, Molly. My love to Aunt Sarah. Mm. Yes, sir. You know, Molly, really, that woman is so tight. You know, she's so tight, she has to walk slow or she heats up. Is this Sam Moore a friend of yours? Oh, I've known him for several years. You know, one of these days, Aunt Sarah's going to go on a spending spree, and the country's going to be flooded with 30 or 40 Indian pennies. Uh, look, McGee. Huh? If you can stop ranting about how tight Aunt Sarah is, you might realize that you're about as open-handed as Joe Lewis in round one yourself. What you mean? I mean, you call other people stingy, but when you're asked to throw a little money on the drum for a sick friend, you cool off like a night watchman's coffee. <laughs> Why, Molly... Do you mean to say that my refusal to detract from Sam Moore's self-respect by giving him charity might be construed as stinginess? It will not only be construed as stinginess, dearie, but the word will flash around the cigar stores that Fibber McGee is the back end of an Oxford. <laughs> you mean a heel? <laughs> yes. Hand me my checkbook. Here, and while you do that, I'll run upstairs and look over the spare bedroom so Aunt Sarah will be coming. Okay. Ah, there goes a good kid. Lots of family loyalty there. Won't listen to a word against Aunt Sarah, even when she knows she's an old miser. Ah, not that Aunt Sarah is unpleasant to be around. She always smells slightly of mint. <laughs> I'm so... Come in. Hi, mister. Oh, hello there. Say, hmm? how old are you, sis? Six. Going on six and a half. Six years old, huh? Mm-hmm. 
How many years is it you've been dropping in here to visit with us? Nine years. (laughs) (laughs) It's a wonderful world we're living in, isn't it, mister? (laughs) It sure is, sis. Wonderful world. And you realize I don't even know your name? I know it. Well, what is it? Ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, what is your name? Oh, Teeny. Teeny, huh? Hmm? I says your name is Teeny. I know it. Odd name. (laughs) Why? Oh, I don't know. You don't hear it very often, is all. Named after somebody in the family? No. Huh? Hmm? Well, uh... (laughs) What is it, just a nickname? I guess so. Mm -hmm. When I was a little baby, my daddy called me Martini, and then they just started calling me Teeny, I guess. Oh. Why did your daddy call you Martini? Why did your daddy call you Martini when you were a baby? He said I was never dry enough to suit him. <laughs> yes, I see. Hmm? Uh, never mind. How'd you get your stockings all torn like that? I fell down. Mm-hmm. Mr. Underwood was chasing me and Willie Toops. Willie Toops and me? Gee, what was he chasing you for? <laughs> <laughs> He wasn't chasing me. What was he chasing you and Willie for? We rang his doorbell by mistake. What do you mean, by mistake? We thought he was upstairs, but he wasn't. (laughs) Now, you look here, sis. Mr. Underwood's a fine man. Maybe a little too dignified, but a fine man. You know, he used to be United States Minister to Venezuela. Oh, I bet you he was, and I bet you he wears a necktie. No, no, no. You're, you're thinking of another kind of minister, sis. I I mean, he used to represent our country in Venezuela. Oh? Well, then you treat him with a little more respect, you understand? Sure. What'd you say he was, mister? Our minister to Venezuela. Minister. Just keep that in mind. Okay, minister, minister, minister. Yeah, that's it. Now, when you learn a, when you learn a new word like that, Tina, you try to use it till you get used to it, Oh? Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After that, the word is a regular part of your constabulary. Vocabulary. Yeah. yeah. Now, you think you know how to use the word properly? Sure. Okay, go ahead and use it. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is now 20 minutes to three, and I got to scram home. So long, uh-huh. Mr. The King's Men singing Sure Thing. Every tip I follow on a pony turns out to be a phony. They don't come in. At bridge, I'm just a dummy. I lose my shirt at rummy. But now I've got a hunch I'll win. Sometime, somehow, I'm sure I found a sure thing in you. Something within tells me we'll win. Somewhere my heart has picked you out of the blue. And since I'm only a beginner, a winner I'll be. But win or lose, whatever comes up, your thumbs up with me. One thing I'm sure, I'm sure of all my life through. If love can figure out a sure thing, that sure thing is you, baby. Sure, sure, baby. When the chips are down, you and I together all around. Sound. Quarters, tax, 
Texas, it's you. Go, 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 go. There. How's that, Molly? Looks very nice, dearie, but mm-hmm. isn't it a little uh, crooked? Hmm? Push the bottom of the picture to the left. It's too far that way now. It needs to go this way. No, McGee, that's way off. What do you mean, way off? That's perfectly level. Why, it tips like a counterfeiter in a nightclub. <laughs> well, what'll you bet? We'll prove it by Beulah. Okay. Oh, Beulah! Somebody ball for Beulah? <laughs> Take a look at this picture, Beulah. Does it look on the level to you? No, sir. I think the artist was kidding. <laughs> now, we mean, is it hanging straight, Beulah? It look okay to me, ma'am. <laughs> Besides, it don't matter much. Every time a truck go by, every picture in the house go cockeyed anyway. <laughs> now, I guess you're not much of a consultant on dynamic balance, Beulah. You got no sense of symmetry. No, sir, but that would be a real good place for it. <laughs> what? What would be a good place for what? The symmetry would be a good place for that picture. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the deadest looking picture I ever did see. Good idea. We'll stick the ace, king, and queen of spades in the frame and bury it with simple honors. Bury it with simple honors. Look at you, Love that man. <laughs> well. <laughs> That's all we wanted to know, Beulah. Thank you. Incidentally, you knew my Aunt Sarah was coming tomorrow for a visit, didn't you? Yes, ma'am. I will hear Mr. McGee talking to himself about it. <laughs> now I know why they call it profanity. <laughs> it ain't nothing for amateurs to monkey with. McGee. Oh, well, <laughs> By the way, Beulah, you don't mind cooking for one extra for a while, do you? Oh, no, ma'am. I like to cook. Yeah, in fact, I'd love it if it wasn't so... Uh... If it wasn't so what? Oh, so... So well, so daily. <laughs> well, I don't think you'll find Aunt Sarah much trouble, uh, Beulah. She's a very light eater. She's a very light giver, too, Beulah. So if you're expecting her to slip you a couple of bucks when she leaves, forget it. When it comes to money, Aunt Sarah's clutch grabs. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I don't expect anything, sir. How old a lady is she? Well, now, what would you judge her age was from her portrait, Beulah? Yeah. Well, offhand, ma'am, I'd say... <laughs> Beauty, you fool, keep quiet. <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am, I gotta get this. Incidentally, how old is Aunt Sarah? Well, she claims she was Admiral Dewey's godmother, dearie, so draw your own conclusions. Probably attended the Boston Tea Party disguised as a slice of lemon. <laughs> I always Oh, dear, Aunt Sarah's picture fell down again. Well, it's... Just like the old war horse. Never know when she's going to drop in on you. I think I'll just get a couple of ten-penny nails and put them right... Come in. Hello, Dr. Gamble. Hello, Molly. Hello, Ambitious. <laughs> Hello, Butcher Boy. What are you wandering around town for? Medical Association finally catch up with you? No, I'm still fooling them. But I was coming past the telegraph office, and they said there was a telegram for you. Oh. Knowing as I do how much those kids can use a two-bit tip, mm-hmm. I thought I'd save them the disappointment of not getting one from you. <laughs> Here. That was very nice of you, Doctor. Thank you very much. Yeah, you ought to give up your medical practice and deliver telegrams all the time, Doc. That way you could give people a lot of bad news without being personally responsible for it. <laughs> Medicine is more interesting, McGee. Mm-hmm. You can deliver a telegram whenever you get around to it, but a baby won't wait. McGee, McGee. Huh? Look, the telegram is from Aunt Sarah. She's not coming. Who's Aunt Sarah? Oh, you wouldn't know her, Doc. She's healthy. 
Why isn't she coming, Molly? She says there are some investments she has to keep an eye on, and it's impossible for her to... Oh, oh, good heavens, what did I step on? Doggone you, you clumsy oaf. You put your foot right through Aunt Sarah's portrait. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. I didn't see it there on the floor. Oh, forget it, Doctor. It was only a... What do you mean, you're sorry? You big hayfoot. Yeah, but I... You think you can come busting into people's house and start kicking priceless works of art around and get away with it by saying I'm sorry? But, my dear boy, I assure you... Don't dear boy me, you silly astigmatic ox. (laughs) My gosh, the only picture we had in the world of Aunt Sarah. And you... Oh, McGee, for goodness sakes, you know very well... I know very well that if Aunt Sarah knew we'd done this to her picture, it would break her heart. (laughs) Poor lonely old soul. (laughs) Why, I thought of as much of that portrait as I did of Aunt Sarah herself. <laughs> all right, all right. I told you I'm sorry. What do you want me to do? Dig up Da Vinci and tell him to fix it? When I think of those dart games in the basement... What good does it do to say I'm sorry, you big patagerm? No. Does that restore this valuable work of art? Does that calm the feelings of a dear, sweet old lady who trusted us with the things she loved most in the world? This priceless painting... Why, gee whiz. Oh, stop it, will you? Here, here, here's $50. Get it restored, but stop moaning about it. If it costs any more, let me know. Good day. Why, McGee, how could you ever? (laughs) (laughs) What's so funny? (laughs) 50 bucks. (laughs) Imagine that. We finally got some dough out of Aunt Sarah. This is... Do you spend much time in your kitchen? You probably realize the importance of well-protected linoleum floors. When they're bright and sparkling, the kitchen is certainly a much pleasanter place to work in. That in itself is a good enough reason for using Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. And yet, that's only a very small part of the glow coat story. A more important reason is, of course, the way glow coat protects linoleum surfaces against wear and dirt. How it makes linoleum last six to ten times longer. Another is the way glow coat saves you work. Because it's self-polishing, it needs no rubbing or buffing. You simply apply and let dry. Glow Coat does the rest. Even on linoleum that's been down for many years, Glow Coat works wonders. And if you're putting down any new linoleum, then be sure that from the very first day, it's protected regularly with Johnson's self-polishing Glow Coat. McGee, you've got to give that $50 back to Dr. Gamble. Oh, I will after next week. He's given me a complete physical examination next week, you know. So what? Well, a complete physical examination like I'm going to have costs at least 20 bucks. Yes, but... You think he's going to have the crust to charge me a double saw buck while he still thinks he's ruined a valuable portrait? Why, McGee, <laughs> you're a rascally little opportunist. <laughs> Ain't I, though? Good night. Good night, all. <laughs> the character of Mr. Wellington heard on this program was played by Ransom Sherman. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax for Home and Industry, and inviting you all to be with us again next year tonight. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company.